Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. That's, in some ways, what this first part of Colossians 2 is all about. It's about how we come together, we energize and encourage, we are knit together by Jesus, which means it's the Savior of the world that binds our hearts together. And that is something worthy to be celebrated, amen? It doesn't really matter, at the end of the day, what you think about the color of the chairs or the carpet or the building or the walls or what it looks like or if the grass is mowed or if the music is your style or if I should be tucked in or untucked in. None of that matters. What matters is that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, raised from the dead, went back to heaven to prepare a place for us, his children, and that's what connects our hearts. And out of the overflow of that, There was this beautiful promise where he said, I'm sending you a helper. And the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit came and gave us a beauty of connection and a giftedness to care for one another, to fight for one another, to speak life into one another, to speak words over one another, to keep going, to spur one another on in love and good deeds is what Hebrews 10 says. This is what binds us together. And it's not only a great place to be, it's a great way to live. And sometimes we forget about that. We, we, we love that we belong to a church that worships Jesus in spirit and truth. But sometimes we forget that not only on Sunday morning, but throughout the week, every day of life, we are bound together in Christ. And it what's make, it's what makes Andrew Horton and me brothers. It's what makes you a brother and a sister with those who follow Jesus. It's what makes us love in such a way that deep in our hearts, we're not totally conditioned to love. Meaning we find good and beauty and power and truth in other people that otherwise we might just be annoyed by. You with me? especially the people that are different than us, that think, worship, believe differently than us. It's just hard to get along sometimes, isn't it? But this is what Jesus wanted for us. This is the way God rigged the system, that because of Jesus, we get not just brought together, but we get knit together. We become one. I love that about him and the power of his word in Colossians 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 this morning. I want to invite you to turn there with me in your Bible, or we'll put the scriptures on the screen. But check this out. This is Paul 
writing to the church at Colossae. I'll explain that in just a minute. And he says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Now, why would he bring up the Laodiceans to the Colossians? Laodicea in Turkey, it's a city of antiquity now. It's pretty much just ruins, but it's not an active city. Laodicea is about 12 miles away from Colossae. And that's about how far we are from Conway or I-40. So very much in proximity together. And Paul tells them this because he wants them to know, look, I value them. I love them. I know they get a lot of press. I know people are talking about them. John, even in his revelation, the revelation, the last book of the Bible, he talks about the church at Laodicea. And so they get a lot of press in the Bible. And the Colossians were neighbors to them. And so Paul is saying, look, we haven't seen each other. I have not seen you face to face, just like I haven't seen your neighbors to the north. Even though people are talking about them, you are my neighbors as well. You are family as well. You are important to me. You matter to me. And I want you to know the struggle that I'm having. Paul is writing them this letter from prison to encourage them to keep going. Now that in and of itself is mind-blowing. That a man who has been in prison for his faith in Jesus and his preaching and his teaching is telling the church at Colossae and the church at Laodicea, I hurt. My struggle is for you. I wish you could know the joy I know from prison. Why? Why? Because Paul has had a massive revelation of the character, the person of Jesus. Literally saw him face to face on the road to Damascus. And these people have not had that privilege. So these people in Colossae, they didn't, not only have they not seen Paul, they haven't seen Jesus. And yet they're following him the best way they know how. And Paul's saying, my heart, my struggle is for you because I know you are there. I am here. The church is building and growing momentum here in Jerusalem and surrounding, but it's also in you. Now, all that matters so much because you and I can so easily get separated from the thing that we know and the things that we love. We can easily find ourselves separated from the heart of God. And that becomes our struggle. Our struggle becomes, I want to do the right things, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know that I can do. I don't know that I even want to do the right things. But I'm trying, I'm trying to follow God, but There's so many things happening in my life, it's easy to get distracted to the person, the character, the heart of Jesus. This is Paul's struggle. I know that you are wrestling. I know that you are struggling. I know you are distracted. I know false teachers want to distract you and discourage you. I know people want you to take your eyes off of Jesus. My struggle is for you because you, even though we've never been together, my heart is for you. I love you. I want you to see, taste, and know that he is good. So this is both a counsel and a warning. It's an encouragement and a caution. He's saying to them, 
we struggle to know Jesus and to follow Him and to live for Him. And I want you to keep going. Keep following. Keep trusting. Because Jesus is who He says He is. I have seen Him, I have spoken with Him, and I know that every promise He's made is true and is being fulfilled in you. Keep going. It's also a warning. Don't lose sight of what you love. Don't lose hope. Don't be discouraged. The Father wants you to know His love and His glory. This counsel then is that the people at Colossae never saw Jesus. They never saw Paul. But he is not comparing his struggle with Jesus's. He's not saying, look, I am struggling like Jesus struggled on earth. He's saying my struggle is something very different. And I want you to so love Jesus that you love others with his love. The encouragement is, I want you to know that who Jesus has promised us He is that is so true that you also can experience that fullness and keep walking with Him. Here's the encouragement. That even when you think Jesus is not present, He's not real, He's not true, He's not keeping up His end of the deal. Jesus Christ has never left you, never abandoned you, never forsaken you. He will not leave you. He will not make you do this life on your own. He sent a helper, the Holy Spirit, the person of God and the Holy Spirit came to this earth when Jesus, the person of God, the Son of God, went back to heaven to prepare a place for us. He said, the Holy Spirit is with you, guiding, strengthening, leading you, carrying you, sustaining you. And when you speak, when you pray, the Holy Spirit takes those words and turns them into groans and thoughts that words cannot express. And God is so pleased that you even call on His name that He is satisfied in you. It's a great promise to keep going. This is what He's promising us. Even though we haven't seen Him face to face, He's never going to leave us. It also means that sometimes we lose harmony and touch with one another because we get divided by the things of earth that at the end of the day don't matter at all. We get separated by what we think about things and the things we say. And we all make mistakes that sometimes cause the people in our lives to lose faith and hope in us. We hurt people that we love. And Paul is reminding them, do not forget one another. Keep together, stay together. Even when you are Part physically, you are still one with each other spiritually. He has knit you together. We don't have to look alike or be alike to think alike, to believe alike. We can be very different in some non-essentials in our life. But at the end of the day, what matters most to us is that Jesus Christ 
saved us from a certain death, the penalty for our sin. He made us right with him, therefore making us right with those who have also been saved by his grace. And we together are a very powerful force for the kingdom of God. We together can do things in this world that are only set apart for us by God. He made you to be a voice of hope to the people in your world. You don't have to be like them to show them the love of Christ, the love of God. This is what it means when he says, we haven't been face to face. My struggle is for you. It's a calling to you and me to share in that joy, that journey. But also, this is, contains a warning. For us to stay together, for us to think alike and be united in purpose for the glory of Jesus, we have to see other people as important. No matter what they look like, no matter what they smell like, no matter what they like to talk about, and it bores your socks off, no matter what they drive, where they live, whether they live on that side of 207 or this side of 207, right? Whether, they, whether they're good people or they're not so good people, that's not what connects us. What binds us together is our station in life because of Jesus Christ. So the warning is, do not neglect those that Jesus has saved as well. We stand for one another. We fight for one another. We crawl in the foxhole together. When people need us, we do everything we can to make sure their needs are met. We stand up for one another. And so when somebody's talking about someone you love, you don't listen to that and go, oh yeah, I didn't know that about them. Hmm. Instead, we stand up for them and say, they have been sealed by Jesus's blood and I'm going to fight for them and love them and stand in and pray for them and be their friend and I'm going to love you no matter what. This is the struggle. This is why Paul was so passionate about this. This is a statement of devotion. My struggle is for you and I don't even know you. My love for you comes from Jesus. And I don't even know you. It's passion. Not just for other people, but passion for Jesus, for God. And out of that passion flows love, compassion for other people. You with me? The struggle that we have with other people, the struggle that we have in this world, flows out of a real passion for something. And so the struggle in us is either I'm passionate about what I think and what I need, or I'm passionate about what God thinks and what God needs. And when our passion is for what God thinks and what God needs, it turns into something immeasurable, magnificent, powerful, epic, life-changing, because through that love, others, other people's lives get changed on the daily. It's that passion flowing through us for God that changes people's lives.
And God wants to do something remarkable through us that we can't do on our own. When, when you're passionate about something, you don't really have to work at it, do you? When you're passionate about something, something in you gets stirred into a great joy and you, you want to be there. What is the thing, think about, what is the thing you are passionate about in your life? Is it your children? If your children are your passion, then you'll do anything and everything you can to make sure they know that they are loved and provided for. And you make sacrifices to make sure that's so. If your job is your passion, then that's what you make time for. And you will leave your newborn bed. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding, Tanner. You, 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 will, you, will, you will put other things aside to make sure that your job gets done and gets done well. This, this is not Tanner's passion. His, his full-time daily job is not his passion. Serving God and his family is Tanner's passion. And it comes out in everything that he does. Why? Because he does this with excellence, even when his wife has just given birth to a baby. He wants to make sure that this still gets done right. That's devotion. That's powerful. I don't know if you know this or not, but every single one of you has been gifted the same way to make a contribution to God's kingdom. And you have a call on your life to make a life-changing difference for the people in your world. That passion isn't for those people. That passion is for God. And then it flows through you. Your love for Him reflects and is, and is uh, manifested in your love for other people. But it's because you love Him first. That's passionate. That's why this statement is so passionate for Paul. Look at verse 2. So I haven't seen you face to face, right? My struggle is for you. Why? So that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Jesus is the essential. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus talked about this when he talked about building your house. Either you build your house on a house of sand that the waves will come and wash away, or you build your house on a rock that will withstand anything in this earth. Jesus is the rock. He is the cornerstone. And all of this being knit together, being found in love, being encouraged together, we build that on Jesus not on a principle or an idea or a belief or a value system. It's Jesus. He is the one that binds us together, that knits us together, that makes me fall more and more in love with Him and then ultimately with each other. Why? Because Jesus is the thing of ultimate value. It's not our good church. It's not our good principles. It's not what we think about homosexuality. It's not what we think about abortion. 
Jesus is the ultimate value. We build our lives on him. Then he, through his word, instructs us on how to value and see those things, those doctrines of our faith. We view the world through a biblical lens because we love him first. We build our life on Jesus. And then he reveals to us what is true about his word. And then we make no compromises. Then we know what to stand for then we know how to truly love other people. This in and of itself is a mystery. And the world totally does not understand this. How can people who say they have a faith built on love, how can they be so unloving? We're not being unloving. We're being completely in love with Jesus who has showed us the truth about himself through his word. And we stand for that because Jesus stands for that. Does that make sense? It's a mystery. It's hard to explain to people. But this is why God's word says that the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. They don't know that it's love because they don't know what true love is. They don't know what true love is because they've never felt the deep burning heat of God's love over their life the way we have when our eyes were opened to Jesus Christ dying on a cross for us while we were still sinners. Total mystery. Like the game of chess. Why would anybody play that game? Total mystery, right? But this is so much more and so much greater. Loving others, being bound together in Christ for His purpose, His mission, for others seeing that He is God and that He has come to earth for us whether it's the people over in Conway or the people in Istanbul or any other place in the world, we get bound together by the heart, the sacrifice, the love, the devotion, the commitment of Jesus Christ for us. That is why we are encouraged and being knit together to reach all the mystery, all the fullness and the assurance and the understanding of knowledge of God's mystery. We worship someone, something who is worthy of all the glory. I'm not. I deserve nothing. My sin disqualified me from being worthy of anything. But, Because of the great love of God, His mercy through the person of Jesus Christ, you have been made right with God. You have become His righteousness because of Jesus' work. Not anything you've done, Ephesians 2, not anything you have in your heart or that you think or that you can say. It's because of Jesus that we have been made right with God. We then, as His heirs, have His thumbprint on our lives and we have been made right before God. He did all the work. It's a great gift to you and me. 
But when he did that, when he stepped into your life, he made you, watch this, he made you the full assurance, the knowledge, the understanding of the heart of God, the mystery. So in Matthew 4, Jesus talks about himself as the mystery of the kingdom of God. So Jesus revealed to us is the mystery of God. That's one word. When Paul talks about the mysteries of God, 21 times in the New Testament, Paul uses the word mysteries. And every single one of those times, it's a declaration of the heart of God. God has made known to us the mysteries, meaning he has revealed himself. But watch this, the mysteries that Paul is talking about is a lowercase m. The mystery that Jesus was talking about himself is an uppercase m. He is the mystery. All of these other mysteries are all the confusing things about God that we struggle with day in and day out. How could a God so loving allow good things to happen to bad people? How could a God so loving allow that little baby to die in that hospital room? How could a God so loving allow bad things to happen to good people? These are huge questions that every one of us wrestle with. And when we wrestle with those, when our struggle is that, the ways of the world and not the heart of God, then we get distracted and blinded to the truth of who Jesus is. And then our struggle stops being on what Jesus made you to be and do. And our struggle starts being on who? Us. And that is not the way God rigged the system. You are never intended to do this alone. And if your focus is on just understanding why these things have happened to me, then we'll always be focused on our weaknesses. Why can't I do or be or accomplish what God wants for my life? Why am I so unhappy? Why am I so confused all the time? Don't focus don't let your struggle be on your weaknesses. This is not the way God designed you to live. In fact, it's just the opposite. Your weaknesses become a point of victory. They become a launching point for the heart of God. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul had another experience with Jesus where Jesus showed him, my grace is sufficient for you. And so Paul tells us, your strength, God, your strength is what makes me able to go on. In fact, he says, my weaknesses are where you do your best work. Your strength is made perfect in my weakness. It's when we become dependent on God and we bow our lives before him so that we can understand who he is, his big heart, his infinite nature, his eternal quality. When we begin to see the character and the heart of God, it's when our stuff gets exposed and we say, I can never be good enough, but you are. 
And that's where Jesus wants us to plant our roots and our faith in him. It's in his goodness. The full assurance, the knowledge, the understanding, it binds us together, not because of what we bring to the table, but because of what he brings to our table. He is the table. He is the feast. He does all the good things. We just play a part in that. And because he binds us together through Jesus, this is so difficult for us to understand. If you think about it, the the gospel, the message of the gospel in and of itself, it's entirely incomprehensible. But Jesus Christ didn't die, get buried, raised from the dead, ascended back to heaven with the promise that he will return for us. He didn't do any of that for our morals. He didn't do any of that so that we would think straight and see clearly. He didn't do any of that so that we would be good people and bring something of value to the room, to the table, to the family. Jesus Christ did all of that to set you free from the penalty of sin. Jesus did all that to make us right with him. Jesus did all that so that we would then rest in the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of God. Jesus did all that so that our hearts would get lit up by the flame of the Holy Spirit. And when we see him at work and we know that he has moved into our lives and set us apart and he dwells in us, then we can use that giftedness, that goodness to bless other people, to encourage them to love Jesus more. And our worship becomes not just singing songs that sound good, Our worship then become a banner, an anthem of praise. God, you are worthy of it all. It changes us. And we stop just singing harmony in a beautiful song and we start singing in harmony with other people, raising a voice of praise to God. And he says, yes, (laughs) it is good. Yes. Yes. This thrills the heart of God. It's a total mystery. It's a total mystery how the perfect, good God of the universe could ever be pleased by us. But we get connected to the omnipresent Word of God. And He says, yes, I am pleased by you. So hard to understand. It's just one mystery. There's more. Look at verse 3. In Christ. Verse 3. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all hidden in Jesus. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Here's another mystery. That you cannot look at the face of God and not die. You know the story about Moses, right? Remember remember Moses when he goes up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments? You remember this? And God says, okay, I'm going to come pass by, but you can't look at me because if you see me, you're going to die. 
And so he hides Moses in the cleft of the rock as he passes by. And then we know that Moses kind of peeks and gets a glimpse of the backside of God, right? Because that is not death, but his face would have been death. Why? Because the glory of God was more than his soul could take. You and I can't see God face to face, but every single day of our lives, we see the hand of God alive and active and moving and protecting and covering us. We see a glimpse of God which reveals our place in Him. Jesus Christ came to earth as the person of God He was God, Philippians 2. Didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped. We talked about that last week. He became flesh so that he could be with us to reveal God to us. And so we see others who love Jesus. When we are with others who are saved by Jesus, we see God. We can see God by experiencing him with others where two or three are gathered. Jesus said, there I am with you. He is here in this place. Believe it or not, know it or not, capture it or not, the Holy Spirit is here with us right now. Welcome. Thank you, God, for choosing us. This is a mystery. In spite of our sin, he would join us here. Why? To see the treasure and the wisdom and knowledge so that no one could delude us. We should be totally astonished day in and day out at the goodness of God. Think about this. It should blow your mind every day to wake up, take a breath and say, God, You did this for me. This is your day, not my day. But I've got this list of stuff I've got to get done today. That will not be my God. Today, you will be my God. We should be astonished, marvel at the goodness, the mercy, the kindness, the favor, the joy, the blessing, the healing, the freedom of God every day. Tomorrow morning, you cannot wake up differently without first seeing and knowing and believing that what you've heard today is truth. And you wake up tomorrow morning and every one of us should wake up and go, God, you are the God of this day and I will do whatever I can for you. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you do in work or deed, if you drive to Borger or Pampa or Pantex or Amarillo, or if you stay home and you watch kids and you go to the pool and you go get Bikini Bottom, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That's what it means to be passionate about Him, to accept no other substitute, and this day live in the wisdom, the full assurance, and the knowledge of God. Let it change your life. I love this quote uh, by Paul Tripp. He says, embedded 
in the larger story of redemption is a principle we must not miss. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things in the lives of others. (laughs) Breathe that in for just a minute. You are just an ordinary person trying to live your life and make the ends meet and the pieces fit together. But through Jesus, you can accomplish extraordinary things. That is what God wants for your life. Not just checking the boxes of your week. Not just doing good things. Not just having a good moral value system. Not just being a good person. Not even surviving the mess that you've created for yourself. It's doing extraordinary things for Jesus because it's what he wants for you. And so the dad that you are gets changed by the mercy, the goodness, the favor of God. The sister, mom, neighbor, the boss, the employee, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God and then let him reveal the mystery of Jesus through you to other people. That's extraordinary. That's something worth living for. Now, listen, I'll tell you this. I've stood on the top of a mountain. I've stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon. I've seen remarkable thunderstorm clouds in this city. It's spooky. We've hidden in our bathroom because of the loud noises, right? All day, every day, I would rather live in a world that is mysterious to my mind and not comprehend all of the things of God and to understand and know that He is God, I am not, and I want to marvel at who He is all day, every day. Give me that instead of me believing or thinking that I have some things figured out about Him. I want to live in wonder of who God is. I want to be astonished at His goodness every day. I want you to look at God and say, I don't understand, but I trust you. This is the mystery of God. And so when he says, um, when, when Paul writes in verse 4, I say that this so that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. You know what it means to be deluded? It's not just a chemical property about dissolving elements. To be deluded means that you believe something that is not true. So what delusion does is it makes things dull. Follow me here. I don't want to be dull. (laughs) I don't want to be a part of a kingdom of God that is dull. I don't want to go to a church that is dull. I want to go to a church to be church with people. I want to worship with the people who are so moved and excited by the heart of God that we cannot contain it. I want you to come and experience my God at my church. I want you to see the mercy and the hand of God alive in my life. I am imperfect. I am very ordinary, but my God is extraordinary. And I want you to know that. 
and see that. This is a total mystery that somebody would ever follow us to the throne of God. But you just be ordinary and in love with God and they will flock to where He is. Why? Because it has changed our lives. (laughs) Our world is just dull. Our world is dull. It's lost the light. There's no more shine in our eyes and in our hearts. The world just doesn't see what we see in Jesus. There's a passion that is missing in our world. And we bought into that. And so we stay quiet. We just go on about our business and we love our family well and we do good things and we believe right things about God. But we too have become dull when we should make a stand for the goodness in the heart of God every day of our lives and we say, what God wants for you is to experience new life. How do I know that? Because I have experienced new life and I didn't deserve it, but I want you to see what I'm passionate about and my passion is not me and what I think or what I need. My passion is Jesus. That's what he wants for us. That's what this passage is all about. Another mystery. I know the clock's running. I see like half of you turn around and look at the clock. Here's one more mystery. Is that even though we can't see Him on the daily, even though we can't see Him, we can know Him. Why? Because He wants to know you. How does that happen? It's you and me stepping into His Word and letting this fill the empty places in our lives. Letting this be the thing we need and love and want and desire and taste the best in our lives more than just the routine of our lives. This is what He wants for us. Esther 4, for such a time as this. (laughs) He wants you to taste and see that He is good. And then He wants everybody around you to feel and know and smell and see and understand that because it's flowing through you to others. This is what it means for us to be knit together. That we don't just buy in to the good things here, but we trust Him wholeheartedly Worship team, as you come back up, I want to ask you just a couple of questions. Do you see Jesus on the daily? Do you experience Him every day? How many days have you gone where you look back and go, I kind of left Him behind. Well, it's almost Sunday. Maybe I can do it better. Do you see him daily? Let me ask you one more question. Do you see Jesus in the mundane? Do you see him in just the normal ebb and flow of your daily life? There's a mystery in every moment. There's a profound mystery in every moment of your life. And that mystery is this. The moments of your life can pass by so quickly 
And they can be so small that you totally miss them. The conversation you have with someone in the drugstore. The person who has a need you drive by on the road. The moments can just slip by us, totally be ignored. Here's the mystery. Those moments can also change your life. Not only your life. Those moments can change other people's lives. If the struggle that we have, having not seen Jesus face to face, is that we want to do everything we know, the possible things to make a difference in people's lives for the glory of God, Jesus will make a difference for His glory in their lives. Every single time. That's who He is. That struggle is good. Don't miss Him. Don't miss Him this week. Has this been encouraging at all for your soul? I I, I hope and pray as we keep going in Colossians 2, there is so much power and truth and hope in this book. I, I, hope it's, I hope it's sinking into your heart like it is mine. God, we need you. I mean, every day, God, we, we need you. We need to hear from you. We want to see you. And even the small things, God, even the little moments, I pray that we wouldn't miss them. God, let us see you and act on your behalf to make a difference in people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the worship team sings, I just want to invite you, maybe come see one of our prayer team at these corners and and just tell them, you know what, I'm distracted. Will you just pray for me? You know what, I, I I miss God daily. Will you just pray for me? You know what, I... I don't know that I've ever seen God daily. I don't know that I've ever seen God, period. Will you pray for me? Let them speak hope and truth and love and joy over you. Don't miss this moment. Let's worship together. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus, and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.